What is up? What is up? We are live from the press box in the Carrier Dome. Ian Unsworth here on the Orange Fizz Twitter account. Instant reaction to Syracuse, Virginia. 22-20 the final score. Syracuse pulls it off. What an awful second half of football that was, but that's besides the point. Syracuse gets the W, and the Orange make it to Wagner Week 4-0. I think everyone in the 315 can take a deep breath. All that extra noise you're hearing around me, the band's still going, fans still filtering out. A couple of my colleagues next to me, Johnny Gadamwitz reporting for Citrus TVs to my left. Let's dive into the stats. First of all, at the box score, team stats first. Syracuse with 352 total yards on 71 plays. Time of possession, 34.50. Virginia, 67 plays, 287 yards. Time of possession, 25 minutes, just over 10 seconds. So, we look at those numbers, and you have to wonder, how in the world did this game turn out as it did? Syracuse had the ball for almost 10 more minutes than the Orange. But, Virginia got very lucky. Garrett Schrader turns the ball over. There are fumble issues, both the offense, special teams units. And we just, we get into these pockets of space where the SU defense is put under enough pressure, it can't hold. And I'd love for any of you to tune in, chime in, and let me know what went wrong for the Syracuse offense tonight. Because I have my thoughts. I know you guys do too. So tune in and let me know what went wrong. All you have to do is request to speak. I'll let you join. And we can have a conversation about this right now. I know you guys have things to get off your chest. That was an extremely frustrating second half of football to watch, to attend. If you guys were at the game, you're leaving right now in your cars. Chime in. Let me know, hey, what went wrong for this SU offense and the team as a whole in the second half? Because, men, at times you thought they might not pull this off. Many people thought this was a trap game, and it wasn't built as such coming in. Syracuse on the first drive looked amazing. Amazing. Five plays, 41 yards, two strikes to a Ronde Gadsden right down the middle of the field. Easy money. But then you get into trouble. Traders starts struggling a little bit. A lot of deep routes run down the field. Virginia changes its coverages. I tweeted out about midway through the second quarter. You see the defense dropping back into cover two trying to guard those deep routes, and Syracuse can't give Garrett Schrader enough time to get open down the field. And then, second half, Aronde Gadsden, after 100 yards in the first half, gets bracketed, and no one else really gets open. The offense in the second half was anemic until the fourth quarter. That final drive is when they picked it up. But here, second half for Syracuse. Three plays, eight yards, punt. 14 plays, 58 yards, red zone field goal. Three plays, 21 yards, fumble. Five plays, 13 yards, punt. 11 plays, 62 yards, game-winning field goal. That's, that's not going to do it. Simply is not going to do it. You cannot 
score six points in the second half of a conference football game and expect to pull it out. I mean, if you guys disagree, let me know, but you cannot score six points in the second half of a conference football game and pull it out. How does Syracuse change this? First point, the O-line's got to get right. The O-line has to figure it out. Because Sean Tucker didn't look like Sean Tucker until the last two minutes of the fourth quarter when everyone was up. The whole offense was rolling with the crowd behind it, and the Virginia defense was rearing on its heels. But other than that, Sean Tucker, 21 attempts, 62 yards. Did not look like a a true Sean Tucker performance. Yes, I see your guys' comments. Brian Curtis, they did pull it out. But after a 16-0 first half, in which the Orange put multiple touchdown opportunities on the shelf, it just it, it didn't feel that sweet of a win. The other thing we have to consider, 24 total penalties for almost 200 yards, six turnovers, six Syracuse starters, pickup injuries, all of those on the defensive side. This is not the results you want in the the last tough test of what I consider the first half of the season. Francesco, newest Fizzer, glad to see you're joining us here on the Fizz Twitter space. Uh, What's what's your instant reaction, first thoughts, as this game wraps up? What's up, Ian? How you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I'm still kind of coming down. Francesco, I'm going to uh, head to the Dino Presser in a little bit, so if you want to take this Twitter space and give it a little run, Feel free. I can make you a host. Sure. Why not? Just real quick, Ian, on the uh, on the running game you were talking about with Sean Tucker, to me it was simple. Virginia put seven guys in the box every single first down, and Sean Tucker went nowhere. The offensive line got absolutely zero push with that kind of that amount of guys in the box for Virginia. And when you're averaging one or two yards on first down, you got second and eight, second and nine, second and ten every time. Robert and I never ran it after that. Even when Virginia dropped back in zone coverage on second down on third down, and I went straight to the air, and even when it was only five, six guys in the box, Garrett Schrader had the football in his hands, and Sean Tucker just never got the chance to get going. I see, I see a lot of comments in here saying that Syracuse played too conservatively. If you guys want to expand on that, just request to speak. We can get you in here, and you can explain what your definition of too conservatively is. I don't know if it was conservative, but the fact of the matter is when they ran pass plays, receivers were not getting open. Garrett Schrader had to scramble, and the run plays were very vanilla, up the middle, off left tackle, off left tackle again. Notice they did not run off right tackle because Dakota Davis probably had the worst game of his football career. It just simply wasn't good. He got bowled over multiple times, a full start, a holding. At the end of the game, Schrader was under constant pressure from the from his right side. Luckily, he could see it and avoid it, but Francesco Schrader had no time to pass for the second half because he was under constant pressure. Yeah, and you're right. He was under constant pressure. The offensive line was not good today, but at the same time, every time a quarterback is pressured, well, not every time, I shouldn't say every time, but a lot of times a quarterback is pressured, you got you to gotta give him some fault too. On the last play before, on the last possession Syracuse had on the sack, 
Garrett Schrader held that ball for three or four seconds before he tried to get out of the pocket. Yes, you can say the offensive line should hold up against the Virginia pass rush that, listen, let's face it, it's not exactly Alabama, right? There's no Will Anderson on this team. But if you're holding the ball for four or five seconds against a Power 5 opponent, eventually they're going to get home. So it is partly on the quarterback as well. All right, French. Carrier Dome walking down to the Dino Babers press conference. Um, so let's see, where were we? Running game. Okay. So I, we've got some more comments, guys. Keep dropping these down here. All right. We will be reacting to them with everything you let us know. So we'll, we'll keep going with this. Feel free to chime in, request to speak, and we can have you on to share your thoughts. But if you want to keep commenting, that works as well. People are saying that Garrett Schrader held the ball too long. The holding of the ball is... Schrader can't tuck and run immediately. Someone's watching him because Virginia was spying Schrader in the second half, keeping those defensive ends in that contained spot. But at the same time, Schrader has to adjust and move with the football and keep himself going. Francesco, do you think the play calling was a bit of an issue in the second half? Should Syracuse have run more short routes? Yeah, the issue really to me was they just couldn't get in any, any kind of rhythm. When you run the ball on first down and you're not going anywhere and you're always finding yourself in second down and long, it's hard to go anywhere after that, right? Could you say they should have run more short routes? Making the way Maybe. through to the dome crowd as we speak. And, uh, Francesco, I'm going to try to bring it down, bring the space down to the, uh, to the press conference if possible. Um, so if, if that does end up working out, then maybe we can hear Dino Babers live on the Fizz Twitter space if that connection goes through. But we've, we kind of harped on the offense a little bit. Um, but Aronde Gadsden was, was a real positive again in the first half. Big-time player, made catches over the middle over and over and over. So let's, let's focus on the positive a bit. Gadsden is now the real number one guy, and that's big for Syracuse because maybe that means Courtney Jackson and Damian Alford and Devon Cooper might actually have a chance to do some, make something happen. Get in the elevator, Francesco. Keep it rolling. Yeah, like Ian said, yeah, Rondé Gadsden, especially in that first half, he's the only guy on the Syracuse receiving core that can beat one-on-one -on -one coverage, whether it's in the inside from the slot, even lined up in line as a tight end. He's the only guy that you match up one-on-one. -on -one. You saw it at the end of the Purdue game on the final touchdown. He can beat a guy one-on-one. -on -one. He's a great route runner. He's good at faking routes, a fake post inside, running a, a corner route to the outside or the opposite, running a fake corner to the outside, running a post to the inside. There's not anybody else in this Syracuse receiving court who can do that in one-on-one -on -one right, coverage. I'm down Damian the Alford, to carry it on for the Dino Babers press conference. Hopefully this works. This is a new experiment from us here on the Fizz Twitter space, getting Dino Babers, his instant post-game reactions live on the Fizz Twitter. So we'll keep it rolling until Dino comes on, and then we'll bring the sound live to you. Hey, Ian, let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. All right. Francesco, you there? 
Yeah, I was going to ask you a question, if you don't mind, Ian. Right now, we're waiting for Dino Babers at the post-game press conference. Ian Unsworth here with you on the Orange Fizz Twitter account. We're deep in the bowels of the Carrier Dome as we wait for players and Dino to roll out. All right, so as Ian waits for his uh, press conference to begin, uh, just to finish the thought on the receiving court, I talked about Gadsden really being really the only guy who can get open, and when you're 6'5", 215, and you run routes like he can, you get open against one-on-one coverage, hard guy to miss. He went with Garrett Schrader, kind of reverting back in these last couple of weeks to old Garrett Schrader, being behind receivers over the middle really constantly. But when you got a 6'5 frame like Gadsden, you just got to get it close to him. And if you do, he's going to get his hands on it, and he's going to make the catch. He's got a good set of hands. Dino Babers talked about it this week. If you throw it anywhere around him, he's going to make that catch. Now, Ian talked about it. I talked about it a little bit. There's nobody else really on this team who can do that. Courtney Jackson, nice little slot receiver, plays on the outside a little bit here, too, this year. But if you put him on one-on-one coverage against a defensive back, you're not going to have a whole lot of success same thing with Damian Alford. He doesn't have the speed to run by anybody, even though that's how Robert and I have been trying to use him a lot this season. A lot of back shoulder throws. We saw it even on the last possession of the game for Syracuse. Tried to run a go route to Damian Alford. Was covered perfectly in, in deep zone coverage. He's not running by anybody. So when you got that kind of receiving core, Devon Cooper, same kind of idea, right? A shifty type of receiver, that kind of archetype, a slot guy. A lot like Cordy Jackson, he's not going to run by you. And you're just not going to have a whole lot of success going down the field, obviously. The tight ends, forget about it. Gadsden, I know, listed as a tight end, but come on, we all know what he really is. You know, Steve Mahar, Max Mang, forget about them. You're not going to have any success with that. And then all you really have left is Sean Tucker coming out of the backfield. A lot of fra- flat routes, a lot of wheel routes. You saw one actually worked. This hey, week. guys, got some cool, interesting news here. Uh, so Dino Babers is on the way for his press conference, but as Garrett Schrader, Garrett Williams, and Andre Schmidt are scheduled to speak to the general media. Um, all the chance to go one-on-one with Aronde Gadsden uh, for a quick second and ask him about his performance. Uh, we just highlighted Gadsden before I hopped in the elevator to climb down to the, the Dino Presser and I think getting his thoughts on what changed from first half to second half offensively is going to be a, going to be a big touching point going forward. So... Looking forward to speaking with Aronde, and Dino should be here shortly. Um, feel free to keep engaging in the comments section, right? Love all this energy that we've had so far. Uh, absolutely, absolutely great to have you guys here. A bit of a slog of a game, all things considered, but the Orange made it through. They're 4-0, and Wagner is up next. So that is the, the end positive of all this. Yes, the, the slow offensive performance was tough. Injuries were also tough, but at the end of the day, the Qs pulled it out. So take a big sigh of relief. Hopefully you're kicking back, enjoying your Friday night, maybe with a beverage or hot cocoa because, hey, it's getting a little nippy on this fall Friday. But hope you're enjoying your night and you're taking a little load off your shoulders after that game. All right, going back into mute as we wait for Dino Babers. I'll check in momentarily. I'll take over one more time for Ian here as he waits for Dino and company to take the, uh, take the podium. You saw Sean Tucker really have some success towards the end of the game. On those last couple drives for Syracuse, Virginia finally dropped back. They were dropping seven guys in coverage. And once they did that, Robert and I said, oh, wait a minute. 
I've got one of the best tailbacks in the country. I'm just going to give him the football now because I can trust my offensive lineman to block guys a hat on a hat at least enough. Give Tucker three yards, he makes it five. And that's the same thing, the same kind of philosophy they were running last year, right? If the offensive line gives him three, he's going to make it five. He's going to make it six. He's going to make it seven. The problem is when you've got five on seven, five blockers on the offensive line against seven or eight guys in the Virginia box, saw the same thing against Purdue last week. This is really going to be an archetype for defenses to go against Syracuse for the rest of the season. When you put that many guys in the box, I don't care who's on your offensive line. I don't care if it's a great wall of Dallas that the Cowboys had maybe five, six years ago. It's really hard to block that way. And you know, even combining with a decent run-blocking offensive line and Sean Tucker, obviously an elite tailback, math is math, right? If you've got five on seven, it's probably not going to end well. So you have to rely on Garrett Schrader to throw the football. And today he really did just enough. It's also great to have Liam Griffin joining us as another co-host. Liam, as you probably heard over the past couple minutes, we're uh, waiting for Dino Babers right now. Uh, and hopefully some players as well. Garrett Schrader, Garrett Williams, Aronde Gadsden. We should have an opportunity to speak with maybe even one-on-one. So, Liam, uh, while we've got some time, and I'm just trying to stay quiet here in the media area so everyone else can get their work done, but, Liam, give us your thoughts on the game and just, you know, how did Syracuse manage to get the 4-0? Yeah, Ian, I mean, yeah, Syracuse won the game, but did they win the game. Look, Garrett Schrader took a sack on third and forever and had that face mask not been called, Syracuse would have punted the ball away and Virginia in all likelihood runs the clock out and wins this game. Yeah, they won, but I can't help but feel like it's an ugly win. Alright, Liam, Liam, I hate to cut you short, but we're, we're going to talk to Aronde Gadsden right now, so uh, we'll have that for you guys right now. Alright, Aronde, uh, what uh, you were Getting a lot of uh, passes and targets and uh, catches in the first half and then the third quarter and kind of went time. What was uh, UVA doing just in the second half specifically that uh, I didn't know what they had changed up, but I thought they were kind of bracketing me. You know, one dude playing inside, one dude playing out on me, and letting everyone else just man up on the outside. And Syracuse seemed like they were getting to the red zone, but they weren't uh, finishing off with Schmidt taking all those field goals. So why are you guys, why are you guys uh, stalling out near the goal line? Uh, I thought I was. I could have had some chances on there, but um, they, they were just good on defense, uh, getting good coverage in the goal line, I mean, in the red zone, and then good rush, good pass rush. From your perspective as a blocker, what was Virginia kind of doing to stop the run game with Tucker today? Uh, I didn't have – uh, most of my blocks were just backside blocks. I didn't have no playside blocks. So I don't know what they were doing up there. You kind of feel like on that last drive, same deal happened last week. It's kind of feeling doing that two straight weeks. Yeah, I, I, I was – it was a big drive. Rhonda, first two plays the game, you get the ball. Uh, what was that for, a, for confidence? Uh, the first play, we hadn't really planned. It was just that RPO type of thing. Off the, if they ran man coverage, I was going to run post and just get over. And then the uh, second play, I don't know what happened. Second play. I saw zone from up top. I don't know, but same sort of thing, middle of the field. Uh, yeah, I just stretched them out, ran out, stemmed, and ran, yeah. ran back out. How has uh, Robert and I gotten you in great positions to succeed this year? Uh, I think he just was the play caller. And what what do you like about playing that flex wide with, with being in the slot? Uh, just being in the slot in general. I had never really played in the slot. I always just play outside. Mm-hmm. Some of it, but I like it. And how, how have you developed that connection with Garrett working through the offseason and now in uh, your new position? 
just like you said, just working in the offseason, throwing, uh, even in, fall, in spring fall and fall camp, just working that connection. How, how would you guys adjust if you saw bracket coverage again going forward? Uh, I'm not sure as of right now, but I know everyone else on that receiving court is going to do that thing. Sorry if this was asked already. Um, why do you guys think you had so much trouble in the red zone today? I think I think it was just their pass rush up there. And their pass rush was just What about it? Running good coverage in the red What about it? I'm not sure. I was running my route, so my back was to them. I don't know what happened. Uh, there was one, like, hitch route or something where you ran and you looked open. What, what happened there? Uh, I thought I was open on two of them, uh, but the pass rush was getting there. So. When you came back, was, was there a conversation about, like, why the pass didn't go to you? or? Uh, I mean, we... I, when I turned around, I saw why. I mean, he's running, he's running for his life right there. He's just scrambling, trying to get the ball out. And then that last drive, like what, what went right that didn't go your way the, the first part of the game? Just converting on third down, mostly. Uh, we weren't good at converting on third down the whole second half up until then. Do you know why? Why is that? Uh, we just gotta watch the film. I feel like teams are starting to kind of catch on to the new offense after, you know, you put up those big numbers the first two weeks, the last two weeks not really the same. Do you feel like teams are starting to figure uh, something out with you guys at all? I feel like they're starting to catch on, but I still think all the attention is still going to tough. I think everyone's still, they still don't trust the pass. They're still going to run man-to-man and just stack the box. Stop tucking. That's their number one thing. I asked you earlier this week if you feel like you've kind of broken out as the number one guy after tonight, another big game. Team, you feel that way at all now? How much you guys practice the, well, Dino called them special plays, but how much you guys practice the trick plays, the double reverse, that sort of stuff? Every day is part of the script. Special play could be right. That last kick, from your perspective, it's like what was going on there? I was just confused what happened on the play before on that third down. I don't know. I think everything, I don't know what happened. And then I went to the sideline. I would just stand up and watch him. I mean, he was 4 for 4 at that time, at that point. So I knew he was money. Yeah, what's going on with Andre that, like, he's had a perfect start to the season? I'm going to work with the best team. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. All right, that was Aronde Gadsden uh, after a big-time seven-catch 112-yard performance. Gadsden saying that, giving us a lot of good stuff there. Um, still doesn't feel like the number one receiver. I mean, feel like that's a bit cliche, but he is the number one guy. I mean, you see those catches over the middle. He gets the ball in the first two plays. Um, it automatically feels like he is a, a difference maker with this game. All right, Liam Griffin, I cut you off. What do you think about Aronde's comments? And uh, what do you think about the game as a whole? Well, first of all, I mean, I think the Rondé's comments are a shroud of humility. I mean, I mean, Dino even said it in his press release leading up to the game. This is just an interview. Yeah, he's had two good weeks, but I don't think we can pencil him in as the WR1 just yet. Yeah, they've been good, but do that against NC State. Do that against Clemson before we pencil you in as the WR1. Now, for this game specifically, I can't help but think they got lucky. I mean, this is not a game Syracuse won. This is a game Virginia lost with that face mask. Four turnovers? Are you kidding me? That's not a recipe for success, Ian. And 
I'm sorry, Syracuse didn't deserve to win this one. Yet they did because they're playing an inferior opponent. All right, Liam, you said Syracuse didn't deserve to win this one. I'll put the, I'm going to put a stop to that. Um, this game wasn't handed to Syracuse, and in no way, shape, or form was Virginia inferior. They were just slightly less talented. All right, here's Dino Babers. I'm going to head over towards the speaker. Uh, first of all, uh, what, a, what a game. Uh, another nail-biter at the end. We're really fortunate to come out with the win. We're excited about that. Uh, the play was not perfect, that's for sure, but the record is. And uh, we've got some excited guys. We've got some banged-up guys. We've got guys that uh, – a lot of guys in the training room, and I don't know exactly where they're going to be at yet, so you can ask the questions, but that's most likely going to be the answer. But, wow, I mean, no quitting these guys, and they find a way to win. Uh some cats, it wasn't their best day, but at the end, they were really, really good. And I can't, uh, I can't thank the, there was a lot of guys in the underbelly. There was a lot of guys that didn't think they were going to be playing a lot of snaps today that came in and stepped up. You guys, they prepared like starters and bang, all of a sudden they were. And uh, in a game that really matters, they played good enough for us and have an opportunity to win. We found a way to do it. And, that's a blessing. It really is. And I'm excited about uh, what those backups did. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting uh, some of those starters back. But we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, we have a, a game against Wagner next week. Uh, we know that anything can happen in a football game. We will give them the respect that's due. And uh, we will line up and try to play a clean game. And then after that game, I think the bye is coming at a perfect time because we got a lot of a lot of bruises, a lot of guys banged up, and, and we need to catch our breath for a second before we get back uh, for the Wagner game and that long stretch afterwards. So questions? Dino, you've always preached Ohana family. You just talked about the next man up approach. To be 4-0 and to do it the way you did it tonight, just what it says about this family and this team and how they stay in that resolve together. Well, they are locked in, you guys. They really are. I mean, you know, I tell them all the time, I said, family in English, La Familia in Italian and Spanish, and then Ohana in Hawaiian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get an extra family in there. But, uh, you know, these, these guys have trained together. They've worked together. They, they hung out together. And now they're winning together, and it's awesome. Coach, you've been talking up Garrett Williams all week, and he played pretty well today. Did you say anything to him before the game that maybe boosted his confidence? You know, you guys, Garrett, Garrett's been like that since the first day he stepped on campus. I mean, I knew when I was in his living room speaking to his dad because his mom was at work at the time that uh, Garrett was going to be different, and Garrett has always been different. Garrett is a professional, and that's what he's going to be for a long period of time. And uh, he's a warrior, he's smart, he's intelligent, and he's a fantastic player. Coach Babers, obviously a couple of guys on the defense, more specifically Terry Lockett and Elijah Clark, uh, helped out the field uh, during the game. Do you have any updates on them during this time? 
know uh, uh, both of those guys were in the locker room. Uh, Terry, I, Terry, I know, did not come back in the game. We have to wait and see. And then uh, Isaiah, he, uh, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be okay, but he, he was banged up too. There was some, uh, some football stuff going on out there that, uh, you know, that got him caught up. But I think he'll be able to recover. Coach, uh, four turnovers in this game. Uh, it's obviously hard to win with four turnovers. You guys able to do it tonight? Where's your level of concern with, um, you know, just ball security after this one? <laughs> A lot, but I think you need to look at it overall. You know, we had the uh, four turnovers. We're four games deep in the season. If you said that we turned the ball over one time per game, I bet you that's that's up there somewhere that's decent. It's not absolutely terrible. Am I happy with having that many in one game? No. I mean, those are a lot of points, and there's no doubt that it affected the score. But uh, if it's going to stop right there and we're about to go two or three more games without having any of those things, then I might roll with that. Obviously, with the four to five guys on the defense that were out in the second half, how did you feel the team responded to the adjustments that were made by Virginia's offense that allowed them to come out and score? You know, I thought that when it comes to those young people adjustment, I think they had to adjust to being in the game and, and being under the pressure. You know, there's one thing to be a, a starter and another thing to be a backup, but everybody wants to be a starter, and then all of a sudden you're a starter, and you got to cover LeBron. And you got you you got to cover Kobe. I mean, like you're a starter, and he's scoring, and everybody's looking at you like, when are you going to stop him? You're like, the other guy couldn't stop him. But uh, I w- I was proud about how they came in and they competed. And some of those guys were on big plays, and they were putting pressures on the quarterback. They made some big tackles. They made mistakes. I mean, they made some mistakes. I'm not going to call out their names and what they did, but I I'm visualizing them right now. But overall, as a family, as a big brother takes care of a little brother. You know, he was in the game. Little brother was in the game, but big brother took care of him. We found a way to win. Coach, I know you said after the UConn game that Andre's kind of gone back to his old ways. Can you talk about what this performance kind of means to see that from him and, and kind of what's been different about him, why he's been so special? How season? cool was that, huh? How cool is that? As long as he's been here and you think about his first his first season, I believe he – I don't know, he went 36 for 39, or maybe he missed four, maybe he missed three, and he wins a Lugosa. And then his numbers go down, down, down. But uh, he had enough, and I call it common sense, he had enough common sense to look at it, examine it, and say, you know what, what's the definition of insanity? You know what it is, don't you? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And he changed. He says, I need to go back. And he went back to his old way and Lord behold, we've got old Andre back. Neener, neener, neener. Okay. He kicks field goals through the goalposts. How many misses does he have this year? Mm, I like that number. Coach, can you talk a little bit about um, your play in the red zone and um, kind of the little bit of miscues? Well, I wouldn't say miscues. Those guys were playing defense as well. And, uh, you know, we want to score all touchdowns, and they want to stop us. You know, I just thought it was a good battle. I wish we'd had more points, no doubt about it. We'll go back and look at it. Those touchdowns early might have made the game extremely different, but we couldn't get them in. And then you think back to, I want to say they had, what, three opportunities to go for it on fourth down? And were they one for three or 0 for three? I can't remember. You guys got to know that. Let me look down here. Let me look down here for you real quick. 
Okay, so they were one for three on fourth downs. I mean, those are every time they don't make it on fourth down, that's like another turnover. So even though the stats may say they had one turnover, how many turnovers did they have? One or two? I think that's at the game. Thank you. So if you're at two, okay, that and you have two fourth down stops, that means technically as a the way coaches look at it, that's four turnovers because they didn't get an opportunity to score points and they didn't punt. So that, this game was competitive. It was hard, and I thought the defense did a, a really, really nice job. The red zone, we wish we had more touchdowns. But in the, at the end of the story, the field goals were the difference. And then what went well in that last drive to get you guys down to the position for Andre to kick the game winner? I, I think I remember a quarterback doing a run. I remember uh, Sean Tucker either getting a pass or a run to get us down there. I think somebody caught the ball in the middle of the field. I can't visualize a lot of that stuff because I was praying most of the time. No, I'm just kidding. I might have, maybe I'm not kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the ball moved down there. We had the big sack, which I'm not happy about. I'm not happy about that sack. But I was happy about the next run to get us back in the middle of the field. Very, very smart play. And then Andre. And then what about this? What about our backup holder coming in there in a pressure situation and getting that ball down so Andre could kick it through the uprights? because our starting holder got kicked out for targeting, which we get the challenge to see if he gets to play in the first half or not of the Wagner. It doesn't mean he's going to get to, but we there's a new rule where we are allowed to challenge that to see if we can get him in there in the first half, which is important to us. So there's a lot of stuff that went on, but we like Andre, and uh, we wish we'd scored more touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, Coach, uh, you were just mentioning about how there was a backup holder in that last in that fourth quarter just um... – how does a kicker go about just uh, with a different holder? Like, how do they keep it like their consistency with it? Coach Ligashevsky practices both holders with the kickers. So uh, not only do we work our first team in special teams, we work our second team as well. And those kickers have to work with the first holder and the second holder. We're in a very unique situation. A lot of teams. Here's some some ammo for you. A lot of teams will use their, you know, their punter as the holder because there's a very good chance that you don't lose your putter, your punter. But in the old days, you know, you used to always be a quarterback or a skill athlete who used to be the holder. The issue is if that young man is a starter and he gets hurt or he gets thrown out for targeting that you're automatically on your backup holder, we've already taken that into consideration. So we work both those guys the same just in case something like that might happen. Coach, I guess it's something about Friday Night Lights, whether it's Clemson in West Virginia a few years ago, Liberty last year, obviously tonight. What does it say about your guys that they show up prime time, packed house when it matters most? I'm, I'm fired up. Our guys like playing on Friday. I wish we played a little cleaner on Friday, but they like showing up and playing on Friday. The thing that fires me up is Otto and the Army. I mean, they like playing on Fridays too. And I'm telling you what, you guys – they were, you guys are so loud. Maybe you guys aren't, but, man, maybe they are. You guys, it's loud. My voice is like this because I'm just trying to talk to somebody next to me. I'm not I'm just trying to talk. And you basically have to scream just so people, if you're not talking in the headset, scream so people can hear you. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really proud of the crowd. And, and hopefully America got to see what it's like to go to Syracuse on a Friday night. Okay? And, and experience you know, the orange 
And too bad we don't have cameras all night long with everything else you guys are about to do when you guys get out of these seats, these suits. I know you guys are going somewhere. I can tell. You guys got it in your eyes. I can already tell. Coach, you guys are obviously undefeated this year. What would you say the differences in this team and like last year's team where you guys would be in these close games but weren't able to get it done this year? You guys have seemed to be able to get it done. Senior leadership. The senior leadership is through the roof. Okay. Even this is through the roof. I, I have no clue what's going to happen down the road, but I'll go anywhere with these guys. I will ride with these guys. They, uh, they're all very, very unselfish. And what they care about is the family and the team. You guys have a great night. All right, so players just wrapped up. Oh, players are coming now. Excuse me. Garrett Williams. Uh, Andre Schmidt is here. And here comes Garrett Schrader. So they will be at the podium momentarily. Again, if you have a question for him, uh, just leave it in the comments. I thought Dino pretty much explained the, the second and five of sorts. And so uh, if you have something to let us, something you want to know from Schrader, Williams, or Schmidt, uh, just leave it in the comments and I'll try to ask. Garrett Williams, by the end of the game, you guys had quite a few second string, third string guys in as defense there, especially in the secondary. Can you just talk a little bit about what it's like having to blend personnel in a high intensity game like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what the mob is all about, um, having the next man up mentality and everybody being prepared uh, to go in because nobody knows when their time can come. Unfortunately, you know, people get hurt um, and nobody feels bad for us, you know, so. For all those guys who came in and stepped up, they did a great job to be able to uh, give us a chance to win and the offense put us in the position to win. And I'm just happy for that result. Uh, so this is my question for Garrett Strader. Obviously, the previous game, you, you had a you didn't have as good a game as you would have liked, 13 for 29 in passing. Uh, what changes did you make uh, in between games? Uh, every week, you know, we treat it like it's a, it's a new week, new scheme. So, um, I mean, we came out strong today, and uh, they did some stuff. They started changing stuff that we uh, doing different stuff than they they've been showing. But um, I mean, it was a good team win. Heck of a job, you know. Kudos to our defense. They did a great job, you know, holding them, giving all those extra possessions they had. And uh, we just got to get we got to get in the end zone. That's the biggest thing moving forward. But um, I mean, it was a great team win. You know, shout out to our defense. They did a great job. And uh, you know, Andre kicking. Hopefully, we don't have him kicking that many field goals, but. You know, we came through when it, when it mattered. Well, Andre, going off of that, a perfect five for five tonight. Dino said that we have the old Andre back. What can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, just kind of going back to the basics. I got to shout out my guys, though. Bo, you know, the whole line and uh, JB first part of the game, and then Mike coming in and stepping up and doing a fantastic job. I mean, couldn't do without those guys. Garrett, you touched uh, Schrader. Garrett, Garrett Schrader. I'm sorry. Uh, 
You talked a little bit about how you guys need to score more touchdowns. What happened in the red zone today, and um, specifically on the play with Trevor and um, and Schrader, where they were out on the left side? What happened there? You ended up throwing to Sean. I don't know exactly which one we were talking about. As for the not converting in the red zone, we'll watch it and get back. And um, you know, we couldn't run the we were not running the ball well today. And um, part of that stems from that you really want to run the ball and you know get the get the ball to Sean down there. But they were plugging things up, so I mean, we'll watch it and see what happens. I mean, uh, I, don't, I didn't feel like that we necessarily missed anything, but uh, we just got to get back got to get back to basics and watch it and make sure we get it correct. For Derek Williams. Heck of a game today for you. You get that pick and a bunch of stops. Dino Babers, your coach, has been talking to you up all week long. What's he been saying to you to motivate you personally? Um, coach Babers, he's always speaking up, like speaking life into me um, every week. Um, you know, he's a very good person to have around me. Um, he's always uplifting me, and me and him have a lot of daily talks about just um, anything. So I think um, just talking to him every day just kind of just keeps my spirits up regardless of what's happening. And um, I'm just glad that it worked out. For Garrett Schrader, did you get to talk to Keaton at all before or after the game? Yeah, I talked to him after. What do you What did you say to him? Yeah, it was a small talk, but you know, told him I was really proud of him. You know, it was awesome playing against him. You know, I love watching him last year do this thing. And just the relationship that we had before uh, makes it all that more special. It was awesome to play against him. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to do a lot of good things this year. What do you think about how uh, Tony Elliott's utilizing him this year? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak on behalf of their offensive scheme, but. Uh, that's probably more a question for G. But, um, you know, he's, he's a great football player, you know, really head smart guy. And, um, you know, OT's watched a lot of his tape from last year. So that's kind of the guy that he's kind of modeling his game after. You know, it's, it's been working out. This one's for Garrett Williams. Obviously, a great game for you. Interception, force fumble, recovery. And with all the NFL scouts in the press box today and you having a performance like that tonight, what that means to you? Um, obviously, I knew um, that it was a big stage for me to be able to showcase um, my abilities and show the world who I really am. Um, I feel like last week people were kind of doubting me, and I think that was kind of stupid. But um, I'm just glad I was able to uh, show my abilities today on the highest stage. For both Garrett's to come out of a game like this on top for the second week in a row, just how much confidence does that give you going into potentially high-intensity games later in the season as well? Um, it means a lot because, um, as we all know, we're, we're going to go into a really tough stretch of games uh, down the line. And so to be to be this comfortable in tight games because we're about to play a lot of great teams, I think it only benefit us down the line. Um, again, I think it's just good for the team chemistry, just building even more trust in each other. Yeah, the biggest thing is just learning not to panic in games like this, but Offensively, we absolutely have to get that cleaned up. We cannot do that against, you know, your NC State, Clemson's, and you can't do it against those teams. But um, the fact that we pulled it out and the defense played the way they played and the special teams did what they did, you know, I, if you look at the stats, not a lot of teams can do that, have that many turnovers, and not convert like that and, uh, and win a football game. So, you know, really proud of this team, and you know, especially, especially the mob, man. They did a great job today. Yeah, Andre, can you kind of walk me through that, that last field goal and kind of what's your mindset going into big kicks like that? I know you had a similar one on Friday night last year against Liberty, but what's kind of your mindset going into a big kick like that? Yeah, kind of just treating every kick like it's the same. You know, once once they scored the touchdown, I kind of knew that it might come down to a field goal. So 
stayed ready, got my kicks in the net, you know, talked to my guys, and, you know, we, we executed. This one's also for Andre. Um, you know, I guess over the course of a game like that where you have plenty of stoppages, plenty of penalties, plenty of turnovers, how do you mentally kind of just stay fresh? Obviously, your number called on quite often today. What's that process like hanging out on the sidelines for you? Yeah, I mean, when it's a close game like that, you just got to be mentally, like, prepared and ready. You know, you're going to – for me today, I went out a lot of times. You know, other times it's a close game and – I only see the field once or twice, you know, so every kick I got to be ready, like, like it might be the last one of the night, but, you know, like I said, we, we did a great job. Garrett getting the ball for us, even closer for that last kick, and, you know, everybody, both sides of the ball. Garrett Williams, uh, Garrett, obviously there's a lot of family out there looking out for you, Andre Sisko, Trill Williams, Iffy. Just what you can say about what it means, and they were commenting during the game about your play specifically, just what that means to you to have them as big brothers, what they've taught you, and what it means to know that they're watching right now. Um, it means the world to me because uh, when I came in the queues, um, I kind of went under their wing, and they showed me a lot of things and just how to prepare for games, uh, just how to uh, prepare like a pro, which is what I hope to be. Um, they've done more things that I can even imagine to help me, uh, not even to be a better player, but be a better person, and I'm really thankful to have them uh, on my side. Andre, uh, Coach talked that in practice you work with both holders, but going into that final kick, having the backup holder, did you guys talk beforehand about that? Um, is there any sort of difference uh, with how? Yeah. I mean, not really. We we work, like I said, work with everybody in practice. you got to be ready. That's a good thing that Coach Lake does. He, he gets us ready for uh, – any situation that might happen in the game, you know, so Mike coming in, you know, we did it last year. So kind of just spoke briefly, you know, like, Hey, like we've been there before. Let's, let's do this thing. And, and that was, that was about it. Thank All right, so that wraps up our press conference portion of today's Fizz Twitter space. We will keep rolling with the reactions. I know Liam and Francesco probably still have a good amount to say, and John Eads has hopped in here with us. John, one of my roommates, I mean, Unsworth, by the way, on the Fizz Twitter, and John is a, a big football mind. He was hosting the game today for WAER. So, John, since you're you're fresh in the Fizz Twitter space, uh, what do you think about the game and what do you think about what you heard of uh, what Garrett Trader, Garrett Williams, Andre Schmidt had to say? Yeah, thanks, Ian. I'll start with the game. Um, wow, why to, wire to wire for the second week in a row. Really entertaining to watch, really entertaining to listen to. Uh, but you know what? We could talk about the intricacies. We could talk about what Syracuse did bad today. But who cares, guys? Because Syracuse is off to a 4-0 and start. Chance to go 5-0 and next week against Wagner. I don't even want to really get into what they did bad today, what they did good. I just want that to settle in for a second. SU didn't get its fifth win of the season last year until game what? Like number eight, I think, against BC. Um, and 4-0 and for the first time since 2018. This team has a chance to go to a bowl game. Just, guys, everybody let that sink in for a second. Think about where we were last season. This offense, abysmal. This team just getting ran through in the ACC. Had three different opportunities to get to a bowl game. 
blew every chance, but now in prime position, pole position to start 5-0 and and just have to win one game of seven down the stretch to get to a bowl game. I mean, personally, I'm loving it. We can dive into this game deeper and, and a little bit uh, more intricately and look at the fine-tuned things, the X's and O's, whatever you want. Um, sloppy game, but the headline here is that Syracuse gets it done. Liam, Francesco, what would you guys think? John, uh, we are currently exiting the dome right now. Um, I'm rolling my way out of here as we speak. So, a uh, couple of couple of points that we've brought up here that I want I want to get your thought on. Uh, first and foremost, the offensive line, not the not the greatest of days for the Syracuse offensive line. Uh, what do you think has to be improved? I thought Dakota Davis had probably one of his worst games of his career. But what did you think Syracuse needs to improve on the offensive line? Yeah, I know you texted me that Dakota Davis was basically a turnstile today at right tackle. And I'd have to agree. I don't think Carlos Vettorello played well either at center. Um, You know what? It's kind of tough to evaluate him because it seems like every team is stacking the box now against Syracuse. And it's limiting what Sean Tucker can do. It's limiting what Garrett Schrader can do in the option run. So I don't know if it's necessarily a problem with the offensive line in terms of run block as much as it is a numbers game in the box. But in terms of pass protection, you know, you can point to the offensive line there too, allowing pressures, allowing sacks. I know Virginia was bringing a lot of pressure all night. But, you know, you got to put some of this blame on Garrett Schrader as well with the issues today because there were two, three different times, if not more, where he held on to the football too long. He waited to make a play and he took massive sacks, like 10, 20 yards in the backfield. He almost screwed Syracuse out of this win because he took that late sack back at the 30 and I don't know I mean Andre Schmidt was great today but he's not necessarily been that reliable outside 40 50 yards in terms of last season and recently um so you know I think there's blame to go all around but it's no secret that this O-line has a lot to work on in terms of run blocking pass blocking and Robert and I's got to go back to the drawing board because look Aronde Gadsden caught Purdue by surprise He caught Virginia by surprise in the first half, but everybody's looking at the film right now. They see six, they see 34, and now they're seeing, what's he, number 19, right? Yeah, when when we talk about the film, um, there's a lot of that to go back, review, improve. Um, They even put a – there's one play in the fourth quarter. They put Max Mang and next to Dakota Davis, and the edge rusher went right for Mang who was a dead duck, Davis was stuck, not blocking anything. Um, the first adjustment in film, in my opinion, has to be, how do you get more support towards that right side? Because last year was a weakness as well. You saw Aaron Service, John, in that pit game turn into mincemeat at the hands of Pat Narduzzi in that defensive line. Brutal. So, Liam, Francesco, feel free to chime in as well. How does Syracuse prepare this offensive line, not for Wagner, because you, Wagner, I would think Wagner's probably worse than Syracuse's twos, but <laughs> how do you get them ready for NC State and Clemson, who by all means, Clemson has one of the five best defensive lines in the country, multiple NFL first-round draft prospects on that, on that unit. Yeah, guys, if I may jump in before Liam and Francesco answer this, um, and guys, I hope you're still there. I just want to point out that, you know, let's not forget that this team is playing without Chris Elmore, who is a pseudo sixth offensive lineman. So you put Max Mangan, you put Stephen Mahara in a tight end, even Wes Ho, 
they're not doing that much. They're, these guys aren't as skilled pass blockers as Chris Elmore would be. He's a big body. He played offensive guard in 2020 to replace uh, a couple of guys that were injured and give Syracuse other options there, and he was actually pretty good. Um, but, you know, we got to just remember that because there's going to be struggles, especially especially defensively when I think about these injuries. You know, uh, Jahad Carter, Justin Barron's out with targeting. Uh, Terry Lockett's gone down. I'm probably missing a couple of guys. This team, Derek McDonald, this team is starting to get ravaged with injuries both on the offensive side and the defensive side. So at this point, Syracuse kind of just needs to find whatever answer it can. Perhaps maybe they find a new right tackle. You got Enrique Cruz. Um, you got some other guys in that second line that have looked solid when they've come in for cleanup duty and playing in the spring game and whatnot. But, uh, you know, let's just wait and see, I think, on the O-line. Perhaps there's some adjustments made in the future. But, Francesco, I'll let you chime in here if you're with us. Uh, John, what do you think? John, I got to say this real quick. As we were talking O-line, Matthew Bergeron and his family just walked past me. So oh, nice. maybe, that, maybe that's an omen. Francesco, go ahead. Yeah, Ian, you mentioned going up against NC State, going up against Clemson, not necessarily Wagner. It's, it's, just, it's just a fact of life. Uh, Francesco, currently not, currently not getting you at the moment. Uh, try reconnecting your audio, maybe. I've got him. All right, maybe I'm tripping then. Francesco, keep you rolling. Keep going, Francesco. Yeah, point, point I was trying to make is when you're going up against an NC State, when you're going up against Clemson, even Notre Dame, even Wake Forest, even Pitt, the fact of the matter is going to be you're going to have a talent deficit at Syracuse. You're going to have a talent deficit on the offensive line against the, the pass rushers that those teams are going to bring, especially Clemson. So you got to get creative with it, whether that's chipping with a tight end. Obviously, the tight ends don't really go out for passes, so that's a little bit harder to do. Robert and I leave six guys in pass protection almost every time. Maybe you try something different with somebody else. Maybe Ho is, the, is a better answer than Meng. Maybe you try Meng with some sort of different technique that you can teach him between now and then. I don't really know the answer to that. But also, there's another way to do it, and that's quick passes. If you throw screens, if you throw slants, a quick passing game, that's how you slow down a pass rush. And Well, another way to slow down a pass rush other than obviously blocking them. Because if you can get a pass rush thinking, okay, I'm not necessarily going to have three or four seconds to get home to the quarterback. Maybe they hesitate a little bit, or maybe it's just a fact that they don't have enough time to get back there. Hey, we got a lot of comments down in the uh, comment section. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Drop some comments. We'll be looking at them, monitoring them, and uh, bringing them up here for discussion. A um, couple of people in agreement with uh, Ian and Francesco, and I guess myself. O-line, big concern. Did I wouldn't say it was the biggest concern. I think it was more of just a Syracuse offense from a holistic standpoint in the second half, just really being slow, play calling, whatnot. Um, a Perlet says, need second and third reads. O-line struggles too soft with the ball. Uh, by the way, whoever said uh, the O-line struggle, that was Mike Thompson, Mikey Man 104. Appreciate you tuning in and uh, commenting that. Uh, a couple of other people commenting about the offensive line. Penalties come up. That as well. Um, so a lot of different concerns. Let, let's talk penalties for a second. Yeah. Let's talk penalties because the, the penalties against Louisville – were irritating, right? They they were they were frustrating, annoying, and they were the only thing that you still there, brother. All right, Ian's not there. Uh, we'll wait for him that to get back. To oh, there stuff. he is. We didn't think they were, but yes, Virginia. After that game, the defense was up to snuff. Big credit to John Rodzinski, their defensive coordinator, for making adjustments. And he caused problems in the second half with his fronts. Multiple looks, 3-4, 4-3, blitz pressures off the outside. 
And that's what led to the false starts, the holdings, that we did not think were going to be a problem after game one. I cut out there again. I'm not sure if he tossed to me or not there. But, uh, yeah, Ian, uh, to your point, penalties a big struggle today for Syracuse. I think they had more than 10. Didn't really flare up against UConn. Not necessarily against Purdue as well. It was more so the Boilermakers taking the dumb penalties on the stretch. But, you know, something's got to change there. Um, And I'm not sure how much of the blame falls on Dino Babers in terms of that department. But certainly uh, some more discipline needed for this team. Um, What do you think, Francesco? Yeah, Dino talked about it against Louisville, how he was talking, especially with the false starts and the snap infractions on Vettorello. Didn't get one of those today, but I, I believe he did have a false start. Vettorello did as a center, which is not something you see very often. Is that Louisville's defensive line was jumping around, jumping side to side, lining up a little bit further back, jumping up towards the line of scrimmage before the snap happened. I wonder if that's an, something that happened again this week, because Dino was very vocal about it after Louisville. Maybe, you know, the Virginia coaching staff was listening closely and told their players to do that today. All right. On the on the topic of penalties, I don't I don't want to beat it. I don't want to beat it too much, uh, and especially in a game like that where the stress starts to beat down on Syracuse, it feels like the game's slipping away. Those mistakes, those things happen. Last thing before we before we wrap up tonight, and again, thank you guys for sticking with us from the beginning to the end. Uh, it was a really long night of football, really harrowing, really frustrating. You know, one of those nights that makes you pound your couch, throw the remote. You know, grit your teeth. The emotion comes out at a game of football like that. I know people were genuinely angry at that game during the fourth quarter. Holy cow, was that tough. But injuries on the defense. Obviously, Dino Babers doesn't know a whole lot. Nobody knows a whole lot until Sunday, Monday. they got to evaluate some things. But with five guys down and six, Elijah Clark made it back in the game on the final drive. But five well, four original starters plus Derek McDonald are now, are now, are now done. Um, what it, Terry Lockett's injury looks serious. Um, he could not put any weight on his on his right leg. Yeah, uh, he's done. McDonald, we don't know what the heck's going on with that. There's no intel, um, at least that Dino Babers is willing to give out. So that also seems to be a lost cause, especially if you haven't heard anything. Uh, who else? Stephon Thompson out for the year. And then... Barron's out Let's for see. the first half. Jeez, am I missing anyone on there? Yeah, just Barron because that targeting. Uh, but I think you pretty much got everybody else. All right, so the question I posed to both of you, who's the biggest loss? And now that we have a litany of guys to choose from, I mean, is it still Stephon Thompson or, or is it someone else? Um, You know what, Ian? I think it's going to end up being Terry Lockett because while Stephon Thompson's Probably the second best linebacker on this team, surefire NFL draft pick, if not what would have been this year, next year. Um, they've been able to mitigate the damage and weather that storm a little bit with McDonald. Now he's also down, but you know what? I liked what I saw today out of Anwar Sparrow, out of Leon Lowry, Austin Rune. I think they have enough bodies at linebacker to, you know, at least do something and uh, play at least solid, serviceable. But at D tackle, they've got like nobody outside of now Kayvon Darton. I don't know, Elijah Fuentes, Cundiff. You've really got no options at D-tackle because Terry Lockett's injury looked terrible. He got taken out from the side. It looks like an ACL. Ian mentioned he couldn't put any weight on his uh, on his knee there. I don't want to speculate with injuries, but it did not look good. And if they lose him, they've got no bodies besides Darton, who's looked good this year. 
in the middle of that defense. And I'm sorry, but in the ACC in a 3-3-5 system, you can't be rolling out the same nose tackle play after play after play. Syracuse doesn't have enough bodies with guys that are above 250, 260 pounds to play that three-technique, five-technique position on the front of the defensive line. So when it's all said and done, I think it's Terry Lockett that's going to be the biggest loss for this team. And, you know, it's trouble because, yeah, Syracuse might start the season 5-0, and but it seems like all the chips have gone in the proverbial basket now. And with the last seven games of the year, none of those games are guaranteed. These are all mostly toss-ups or games where SU is going to be in an underdog situation. I mean, if your defense keeps losing guys like this left and right, I don't know who you're going to be rolling out there. I don't know what you're going to be able to do if you're Tony White to scheme and game plan to do enough for SU to win another game. So uh, long uh, long story short, Terry Lockett, my pick for the biggest loss uh, if he's ended, you know, if he ends up being done for the year. What do you think, Chesco? Yeah, geez, I think he hit the nail on the head. Obviously, Stephon Thompson's the best player they've lost so far. He was their best pass rusher last year, came into this year. One of the best pass rushers in the ACC, like you mentioned, John. A surefire NFL draft pick. Now, whether he ends up playing off-ball linebacker, on-ball linebacker, pass rusher in the NFL, to be determined. But whatever he wants to do or whatever his coaches want him to do at the next level, he is capable of doing it. But also, like you said, the linebacking core, I don't really think has skipped much of a beat. Your guy, Marlo Waxsheets, I know you love him, has really oh, yeah. taken, over, has, has taken over that top pass rusher role and done very, very well. Maybe not quite as good as Stephon Thompson. But right there, you saw Anwar Sparrow almost had a pick today. Leon Lowry's gotten pressure on the quarterback. So they're fine at linebacker. But like you said, John, again, the middle of that defensive line was small to begin with, with Terry Lockett and Kayvon Dart. Terry Lockett, by the way, at nose tackles, 270. It's not great. It's not a huge nose tackle to have in the middle of a defense. I think Kayvon Darton's played better than Terry Lockett so far this season, at least in my opinion. I think he's made more flash plays. I'd agree. When you have both, when you have both of them, then you've got a little bit of depth. Now, I mean, it's Kayvon Darton. Could Caleb Okachukwu become the backup nose tackle at this point? He's about 265. It, I, I think it's probably a possibility. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But he really flashed today, Okachukwu did, with two sacks off the edge. Playing in the middle, not necessarily his game. With that said, he could go in there on third downs because he's a good blitzer. And with a 3-3-5 and white system, you can kind of scheme to move guys around and have them curl to the outside and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from Kayvon Darton, a guy who was a former walk-on, just earned a scholarship uh, in the offseason here. I don't know. I mean, if that's your best option, that's kind of a problem. So I guess you look to guys like Bella Zaire Bissett, who's a true freshman who hasn't played yet this year. Um, other than that, I'm really picking here to see who the heck else might play D-tackle uh, for the Syracuse defense. I honestly have no idea. But you know what? With that said, uh, I trust Tony White to figure it out because he's been very good. Uh, this season, last season, since he's gotten to Syracuse, really. I think he's a rising star in the industry. Yeah, G, it's an interesting All right, po- guys, those are – Francesco, you still still rolling? Still rolling. Yeah, just, right. one, just one more thing I wanted to add in. I think it's an interesting point you brought up. With okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I've been through multiple uh, zones of connection on my walk back to, uh, to my crib near the Dome, and uh, we're going to cut it off right here. It's been almost an hour of space. It's been 4-45 and 45 of pure football – and rather a lot of emotion over the last couple, last stretch of your Friday night. So thank you for sticking with us from the beginning to the end. Uh, again, remember to check out all our stuff, orange, orangefizz.com. You're in the right place right now, Orange Fizz on Twitter. We'll have a game recap. We'll have more analysis and everything you need to know going forward. Thank you so much for tapping in with us post-game on the Twitter space. We'll, we'll have these every single week. Have a good night.
a, a really good night because I'm exhausted. Gorge.